Christ alone, I put my hope. And I wait until he returns or call me home. And here in the power of Christ, I stand. This is a very powerful song written by Martin Luther. And it speaks precisely about where we are today and the message I'm about to preach to you about fear. Because we live in very prevalent times where the world today is going down south and many are not recognizing it. So I bring grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who calls us into faith. So we're going to spend some time talking about one of the common impediments that affect all of us in life. And that common impediment for today is called fear. The title of our message for this morning says, Overcoming Fear, God's Way. Overcoming Fear, God's Way. See, fear is one of the first fruits that showed up, the first fruits of death that showed up after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And since that time, it has been around, nagging us, living in our homes, living in our heads, and has caused a lot of problems for our own lives. We read in Genesis 3 verse 10, where it says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. This was Adam when God came in the garden and asked him, Adam, where are you? And have you eaten of the fruit I told you not to eat of? And he spoke up and said these words to God. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now this is the first time that Adam hid from God. Numerous times since he was created, God had come in the Garden of Eden and visited with him. Over and again, they had this mutual relationship going on between the two of them. And here comes today, he is hiding because he is afraid. Why? Because he had sin. So as a result of the fall comes fear. And fear is living amongst us. And I know that we all have experienced fear in one way or another. All of us have come in contact with this word fear. And we call it the fears of life. That's how we refer to it as the fears of life. And it has gotten so serious that some of us are even afraid of height. We can't climb too high. And I must admit to you, I'm one of those. I can't climb too high. I do all my work down here, not up there. I'm not like John. Okay? And, and so I, some of us are afraid of fear. Some of us, you know, the moment I climb up on the ladder, I, I start thinking about falling. That's just the next thing that comes to my mind. I am going to fall. All right? And so, so uh, some of us are afraid of failure. And as a result of being afraid of failure, we don't attempt to do anything. 
because we don't want to fail. And there are some also who are afraid of God. We are so afraid of God that we won't come to God because we feel like we are too bad for God. And if I've heard a lot of people say that, a lot of folks say that, you know, I, I can't go to church. God cannot do anything with me. God doesn't want me in church. I'm too bad for God. Well, people miss this idea because it was this very reason Jesus came and went on the cross and died because we are too bad. And he came so that we would be good. He came to make us good, give us life so that we can live. And then there are some who are just afraid of hospital and doctors. They just wouldn't go to the hospital. They don't want to see the doctor. They don't want to know what's going on with them because they're just too afraid to do that. Fear, fear. And some people are just afraid of people. You know, they're afraid to come to church. They're afraid to be in the crowd. They're afraid to be with people. And we, when you really come to look at it, 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 it makes some sense. Because I always say that if the church didn't have people in there, it would be a good place to be. All right? So some are afraid of people, and there are some who are afraid of outcomes. All right? So we walk around in our heads, and we're thinking, what if? What if? What if? And we never change that what if to anything else. It is all about what if. And because we don't have an answer for what the outcome would be if we attempt it, we don't do that. We are afraid to attempt it. Some of us, uh, uh, most of us, in fact, are afraid of death. We are afraid of death. We are afraid of dying. And the song we just sang this morning said, until Jesus comes back, until he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I stand. What that song suggests is that we Christians should be prepared for death. Just as we are prepared for life on this earth, we must be prepared for death till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. All right? So we are afraid of things in life. We are afraid of the outcome. I remember times in my own life when I was so afraid of the inevitable and couldn't sleep. I would spend hours lying in the bed just worrying about what is going to happen. And I know that some of you have gone through that, where during the course of the night you found it very hard sleeping because the situation kept nagging your mind. And maybe there's some this morning right in church who may be going through a situation like this that I'm talking about. Some of us try other ways to fix that. And so in order to to have control of the inevitable, we turn to drugs and alcohol. And we do a lot of that and go to sleep at night, but we wake up in the morning and the problem is right there, staring you in the face after you went through all of that and had to suffer from hangover, and you wake up from all of that 
and the problem is right there staring you in the face. They didn't go nowhere. Waited for you until you got up the next morning. So some of us would try or go to the psychic readers to try to tell us what is ahead of us. We go to the psychic readers to give us answers to the problems that we may think is ahead of us in life. Why? Because we don't have the scripture at heart where Jesus says that I know the plans that I have for you. And only if we would understand this, that God did not create us and put us in this world just to be here and figure it all out on our own, if we could just come to this point of realization, it'll make our lives a lot better. A lot better. Because he says, I have a plan for you. He has a plan for all of us in this room this morning. Some of us will run away from our responsibilities. We run away. We run away. We run from one place to another, running away from the situation, running away from the problems. People will run away from home, run away from their family, run away because why they're trying to make their lives better by running away. You know, the run away. We run away forgetting that our fears are like our shadows. All right? And it doesn't, the problem will not leave in one place when you run to another place. They don't stay in New York when you come to Maryland. It follows you everywhere you go. Some of us realize it after we got to where we were running to. And after you got there, you realize that the problem was still there with you. It's a sad thing. Why is all of this? Because the fruit of fear, listen, is worry. The fruit that fear bears is worry. And worry gets activated after fear informs you that the situation has gotten bigger than you can handle. And the moment you get to the point of understanding that this problem is out of my control, that this problem I cannot handle, and it seems like things are falling apart, then worry sets in. That's when worry sets in. And when worry comes in, your life becomes a complete disaster from that point on. All right? It is there that we come to this point of not sleeping. We lack sleep. We can't eat. You can't function. You can't think right. Your whole mind is just focused on this one thing. Question I have for you this morning is, is there anyone here with this situation this morning that I'm just talking about? There may be, or somebody listening to us online this morning. This morning we found a similar situation in our Old Testament text from Isaiah chapter 35. Israel is worrying about their future as they gaze at their present condition. And they said to one another, all of our hopes is gone. We have nothing to cling to because now that we have gone through all of this, the abandonment, they felt that God had abandoned them. They felt that because of the captivity, because they had been taken away from their nation and taking them into captivity. 
And, and so they said that God had abandoned them because it was the same God who gave them this land. And how come he allowed the foreigners to come in and take it away from them and take them into captivity? So they sat there and said, we are lost. Our hope is gone. <coughs> Sorry. And so God comes in. And God speaks through the prophet to Israel. And he is speaking to all of us this morning through this same text. It's only one verse that I'm speaking from this morning to you. In Isaiah chapter 35 is where the message is coming from. In verse 4 is the text that I'm speaking to you from this morning. The first thing I want us to see is God's declaration to Israel. In Isaiah 35 verse 4a, Say to those with fearful hearts, he said, Be strong and do not fear. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear. The first thing I want to show you in the text is the means God used. The means God used to, for Israel to hear him was the prophets. He spoke to them through the prophets. And every time the prophets spoke, God spoke to the children of Israel. And he says it to, to those with fearful hearts where the people he was speaking to in this text. I believe today that there's still, this, this passage is still addressed to us today. And it is addressed to us through minister of the gospel. God is saying, Say it to them. Because just as the evil one used fear in the Old Testament to make Israel to disbelieve God, to cause Israel to walk away from hope, he is still doing the same trick today in our time and age. He's doing it through our minds. He's speaking through our minds, through circumstances that are happening to us individually. And he's causing you to lose hope in your God. And he's causing you not to trust God. And he's causing you not to look onto the rock for whence come at your help. He got us focusing on the problem more than we focus on our God. And God is speaking these words today just like he spoke through the prophets. He is speaking and addressing it to minister of the gospel to say it because there is this gap of fear that has taken over the church of God today. The focus of our energy, we focus our energy more on what we, can't, we cannot do than we do on what we must do. When God speaks to us, he speaks a vision into our spirit. We sit there and, and really try to rationalize it in our own effort and strength and ability to see whether or not we are able to carry this out. And as I speak to you this morning on this very point, I speak to myself. As God spoke to me about our own church and spoke to me about the young people ministry, the children and youth ministry that we need to start, he placed this big vision in my head. And it was just like when he said to Moses, go to Egypt, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Just like Moses felt inadequate to do that is how I felt as God placed these things in my head. 
And fear begin to creep in, and I'm wondering how, 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 how. But you see, when God calls us to work, he gives us the ability to carry out that vision. He will make it enable vision. He will enable those that have embraced that vision to run with it. And until we can get to that point, fear is going to creep in and stop us from doing the works of God. And so it plays out in every other aspect of our lives. In every other aspect of life, what God is speaking to you in particular ways through his word or through vision, he's speaking to you. You need to listen to what God is saying because if he told you to go through that wall, that means he has made a way through that wall to get over on the other side. Listen to what he's saying. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, the B part of this verse is, how would they hear without a preacher? How would people hear the truth or hear these words of encouragement if we do not talk about it and encourage the church and inspire us to prepare for the vision that God has for us for the future? He talked about the means God used in this text. He talked about also the misery God sees in this text. The misery God sees is fear. God sees fear as men's misery because of the level of damage this four-letter word is able to cause. All right? It's like a little hand grenade. That's how fear is. It's like a little hand grenade. It causes extensive damage to the human race. You have to understand this. Look at this. According to medical science. It says fear weakens our immune system and can cause cardiovascular damage, gastrointestinal problems. It can lead to accelerated aging and even premature death. This is what fear is able to do from studies uh, uh, done. And also, according to the uh, biblical science, it says fear is a tool of the enemy to stuffle our uh, confidence in Christ and to distract us away from God. Christians who struggle with fear often have a sense of unworthiness and anxiety that God is upset with them and so are never able to trust him. See these two things? Uh, I see this as the worst disability anyone can ever have. Fear is the worst disability that anyone can ever have in his or her life. Fear is a misery that steals our faith and peace and joy away from us. It steals it away. And so in 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul is speaking to young Timothy about this very issue. And he tells him that for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So what this tells you is that every time fear shows up in your life, you need to remember this text from uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. And tell fear, fear, listen to me, you are not of God. It is not from God. It has a name, and you need to bring it to the obedience of Christ. 
It is not from God. Fear is from the devil. You tell it, you are not from God, you are from the devil, and I'm not going to allow you entrance in my life. God has not given me the spirit of fear. He's given me power, love, and sound mind. We live in the power of God. We live in the love of God. We live in sound mind through the word of God. And that's what we must remember and not allow this full little creepy little word to come in our lives and destroy us. And God wants us to know about it this morning. Now he talks also in this text about the method God gives. The method God gives. He says, be strong and do not fear. That's what he says to the Israelite through the prophets. Be strong and do not fear. Being strong, we talked about this last week. Remember that when we talked about the full armor of God last week, we talked about being strong in the Lord. We talked about it. We said that it is a continuous active verb, the word be. Be strong is a continuous active verb to be strong and stay strong. That's what it's talking about. What this literally means is we have to be stronger than fear to overcome it. And so God saying, be strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord. Our strength must be in the Lord. We got to clothe ourselves in the Lord. And I told you last week this, that once you get dressed up, you don't take off the uniform. You remain dressed up for all eternity because that creepy old devil can come. You don't take no vacation. You don't take no bricks. You don't do none of that stuff. You dress up and you remain dressed up in the Lord because that devil can come in your life at any moment to try to bring destruction and destruction. But you have to be ready to stand and be strong. Where? In the Lord. The song this morning said, Here in the power of Christ, I stand. We stand in Jesus, my friends. Because all the grounds is sinking sand. So we stand in Jesus Christ. The question is, where does such strength come from? Where does such strength come from? The answer is in the Lord. We just talked about it. And Ephesians 6.10, finally, brother, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You said, but wait a minute. How do I get in the Lord? First, you have to understand that fear is an enemy. You have to understand it. And I just told you that. And that it comes to shut you down emotionally, physically, psychologically, relationally, socially, and spiritually. That's what it comes to do, to shut you off. Fear is an enemy. Remember that. You have to understand this first. God is saying, don't open up your world to it. Do not give it entrance into your life. So to be strong in the Lord means to clothe yourself with him. And I just talked about it. This carries a picture of dressing for battle. All right? Wearing the belt of truth, knowing the word of God is what this is about. You got to know, you've got to know God's word to be able to fight against fear. If you don't know the, God, the word of God... You're going to open up your mind for anything to come in and creep in. 
So when fear shows up, I just gave you one text, 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given me the spirit of fear. I take the word us out of there and I place myself in it and say God has not given me the spirit of fear. In Psalm 23 verse 4, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Not because I'm strong. Not because I have the ability and the knowledge to deal with this. Not because I'm confident. But he says, because you are with me. It's, 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 it's something we need to remember when we are going through troubles because the trouble will stand over you and prov- prov- provide you with a cloud that causes you not to even be able to see the sunshine. And you're standing in that darkness and you just feel like God doesn't exist. No one is able to help me right now. I need to find a second opinion. Folks, the first, second, third, and fourth opinion that the church has is Jesus Christ. <laughs> Psalm 27, verse 3. He says, Do an army encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. This is the declaration that the psalmist is making about himself. And sometimes you got to talk to you and tell you to behave. When these kind of situations show up in our lives, we need to talk to ourselves. Because David encouraged himself in the Lord, we need to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord when these problems come. Because if you allow fear to creep in, he's going to bring along with him worry, and you're going to sit in that house and get depressed. And God doesn't want that. He doesn't want that for us. He wants us to live our lives and enjoy the beauty of it. God's declaration to Israel. Now let's talk about God's affirmation to Israel. In Isaiah 53, verse 4, the B part of that verse, he says, your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he'll come to save you. This promise was made to Israel by God to tell them that as bad as it looked for them, He says that the captivity, the exile, the mistreatment, and all of these things that you have gone through, God says that I have not abandoned you. These same words apply to you and me this morning. Question, do you feel abandoned? Do you feel lonely or discouraged this morning? God is saying these words to you. I have not abandon you and for nothing in this world should we ever think in our minds that God would abandon us his ever abiding presence was the first thing he talked about in the text first he addresses them by referring to himself as their God he addresses them and refers to himself as their God he says in other words I am still your God Even though you're going through this, I'm still your God. I am still yours, and you are still mine, and you are loved by me. We live in a troubled world. We live in a fallen world. And the news is not getting better. And the news will not get better. 
Because as we move forward toward the end time, folks, things are going to break. Things are going to get worse. The news is going to get bad. But we got to be firm in Jesus. We got to believe the word of God and hold on to it like you're holding on to something in the storm and you don't want to be taken away by that storm. Don't allow the news to carry you away. Don't allow the changes in society to carry you away. Hold on to Jesus and grab him with every strength that you have. Keep holding on. We are losing men in this time and age. They have drifted away from the faith. They have walked away from the church. They don't attend churches anymore. Because why? The storm and the wave of this life has swept them away. But for those of you who are still anchored in the Lord, keep strong in him. Because he says that those who endure to the end shall be saved. Let's hold on to the end. And don't allow anything to stop you as you've made this decision to follow Jesus. God says, I see you this morning and always. Don't forget this. Fear wants us to forget this, that God sees us always. We used to sing a, a song in Sunday school, my God is watching. My God is watching, my God is watching all the time. He sees what I do, he sees where I go. My God is watching all the time. So God has seen us all the time. And not, not, let us not forget that. But when fear tries to make you forget, just say this word, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means what? God is with us. If everybody, anybody you see with the name Emmanuel, that's what it means. God is with us. When Jesus came to the world and Isaiah gave the prophecy, he said he should be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And this is so, so fascinating for us today. That back in the Old Testament, the folks there were hoping for what we have today. And the prophet Isaiah was giving this prophecy, telling them that one day God is going to come and live with us. We wouldn't have to go searching for him at the temple anymore and go in the holy of holiest to find him. He's going to be with us right in our hearts. He should be called Emmanuel. God is with us. He's in your hearts this morning. He's in my heart this morning. He's right here with us. And that the devil wants us to forget. Don't forget it. I don't care how bad things get. Remember that your God is with you. He talks about his ever-abiding promise. Let me talk about this and sit down. His ever-abiding promise. He says, your God will come and give vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. This is an abiding promise to Israel. God will come and give vengeance and divine retribution to all who oppose Israel, starting with Babylon and going through. This, 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 is, this, is a prof, this is not a spiritual prophecy. This is a prophecy to the nation Israel. And God was telling them that I'm going to come back. And we believe that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to set up his kingdom on this, this earth. And when he does that, 
All kings and presidents will bow at his feet. And when he comes back, he will bring retribution and vengeance to those who need it. And so we know these things as Israel awaits the fulfillment of this abiding promise. We, the church, also awaits the day of vengeance and retribution from our enemy, the devil. Because when Jesus comes, when faith and fear, we no longer have to wrestle when Jesus comes back. For fear then shall be no more when hell and death is cast into the lake of fire. And then fear will be no more. We will never have to worry no more. Fear will be gone. And we will live our life with the hope and joy and peace and blessedness that Jesus brings right before his very presence is where we will abide for all eternity. And we wait for that. Give God a hand of praise this morning. I pray that these words from God encourages your heart and keep you steadfast in your faith, knowing always that God will never bring you this far and leave you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen.